This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS Sports. He's amused Cam Newton. He's been insulted by Charles Barkley. When some idiot in the press asked him, if you know what you know now, would you have scheduled this game? He's interviewed Matthew McConaughey. I do say go, Tarion. And he's taken on Big Blue Nation. I see, he's just completely taken the wind out of my sails. <laughs> it's time for The Drive with Josh Graham. Happy opening day! And happy round one of the Masters to all of you that celebrate. We'll get to both of those significant happenings shortly. But first, we must talk about what Sam Darnold said this week. He was sitting down with linebacker Will Compton on a podcast that he does with Titans tackle Taylor Lewan when he was asked how he'd feel if the Panthers drafted a quarterback with the number six pick a little later this month. This is how Darnold responded to that. It truly is, and this is this is kind of where you're not going to believe what I say, but just bear with me. I'll be ready. Yeah. Um, it truly is, like, whatever happens, happens. Because mm-hmm. that's, at the end of the day, like, it's out of my control. Yeah. And I know that. And so I have enough security in myself to where I can be like, I know I'm a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. I know I can be a good quarterback in this league. I've proved it. Um, and I know there's a team if, you know, something happens that would want me at this point everybody knows the deal it's not even a secret anymore Sam Darnold's days as the Panthers quarterback are numbered and he's saying it out loud now think about what he just told us he's already talking about the other hypothetical teams he might be playing for I know that somebody will want me not even worried about it, rather than saying, it's cool if they draft a guy and I'm going to compete against that guy and I'm going to win the job. No, that's not what Darnold said. Darnold said, well, probably going to be playing for another team soon. That's what I heard. No thought of, I'm going to help bring this guy along. I'm going to be a good teammate. I'm going to be good for the organization. I'm going to compete against this guy, beat his butt if they draft him, and I'm going to be the starting quarterback. No. I feel pretty confident in myself and what my resume says. A team's going to want me. Come on. I don't blame Darnold for feeling this way, by the way. I don't. The Panthers have been pretty clear. We've covered this extensively. Scott Fitterer said that Darnold hasn't done enough to feel comfortable as the Panthers' quarterback. He was aggressive, Fitterer was, in trying to bring in Deshaun Watson. He said to Joe Person just last week, he believes in taking swings at quarterback until you get it right through the draft. I just keep swinging until you get it right. So if you're Darnold, what might you think? Oh, I forgot that they didn't tell Darnold that they were going after Deshaun. And Matt Rule said a lot of nice things about uh, Sam Darnold, which means... He's inevitably probably going to be cut. That's how these things work with Matt Rule nowadays. So I don't blame Darnold for feeling this way. But now he's saying it out loud. Everybody's on the same page. We talk about that in sports. It's good to have synergy. It's good to have alignment. Everybody seems to be aligned. Rule, Fitterer, Sam Darnold, that this hasn't worked. 
It hasn't worked. It's not going to work. Darnold's probably best suited collecting paychecks somewhere else, making a good living as a backup quarterback. Robert, who would best qualify as the quintessential backup quarterback? In other words, somebody who's collected a paycheck for over a decade, never really being a starter. The only times we really see him is in spot duty. First guy who I thought of was Chase Daniel. Uh, he's one of the guys. He hasn't really been on a lot of teams. Like when I think about backups, though, I think about like the McCown brothers. I think oh. about Josh Johnson. Uh, I probably think about Ryan Fitzpatrick, even though he got thrown into spot duty in some cases. No one ever really signed him thinking that he was the guy. Who's the best McCown brother, Luke or Josh? Probably go with Josh. Can you tell the difference between the two? Uh, If there was a picture, perhaps, yeah. Or how about just their football resume? How many teams do you think you could get of Luke McCown compared to to the teams that Luke uh, that Josh McCown played for. There's no chance. We've literally got the same last name. They do. Like I <laughs> I won't make you do that. I think they take a quarterback with the number 6 pick. I think they take either Willis or Pickett. I never asked who you'd prefer Carolina to take in that spot. For me, I think Pickett makes the most sense because Matt Rule wants to win right now to save his job and he's the most pro ready guy. Of course, you got the ties where he recruited Pickett at Temple and David Tepper is a Pittsburgh graduate. All these things, I think, factor into the pie. Malik Willis seems like he's a little bit more of a project that has a higher upside. How do you see those two? Is there one that you like more? I'm still in the boat that the, if I'm the Panthers, I probably wouldn't take one of those guys. Uh, well, if we're taking like the whole out of the two. Out of the two, I'd take Malik Willis because there's a higher ceiling. Okay. Uh, because we don't really know what either one of these guys are. Kenny Pickett took five years to blossom at Pitt. You know what I mean? And on the other side of it, you've got a guy who's an athletic specimen. You don't have to worry about his hand size, yada, yada, yada. I'd probably lean Willis, but they're both rolling the dice. But I, if I'm the Panthers, aside, take the Matt Rule getting fired thing out of it. Like he's fighting for his job. If you were trying to build a good team – I would take the best player that can help my team. And I, I still think at six, that's going to be a left tackle. This is the problem. We're in agreement. You probably shouldn't take a quarterback at six. If you wanted to take a quarterback, you'd be best suited trading back. The issue in this draft is nobody wants to give up draft picks to move up in this draft, it seems like. Maybe that's just draft you know, misdirection, the way things are being talked about. But the way that the experts are looking at it, you're not going to get a lot trying to move back just a few spots the way you would in a normal draft. And you can't risk with the teams picking behind you if your evaluation says either Willis or Pickett is a franchise guy, you can't risk trading back those spots relative to whatever you're going to get back, which isn't going to be more than what you would get in a normal year. It's not even going to be as much as you'd get in a normal year. You can't risk not getting your guy there at number six if you feel one of those two guys can be that guy. The way I see it, at least from like looking at mocks and reading what these guys have to say, it's not so much uh, an issue with compensation. Like The trade chart and the trade value is still in play. You're still going to get what you get depending on how far you move back. But if somebody didn't like these 
quarterbacks. I don't think the Saints would be moving future assets to get another first-round pick to potentially move up. I don't think people would be – like the Steelers would be calling at 10 and 11 to see if they could move up. I I think if they're, if they're going to play this game where we're going to try to extend how good this team is – just make the team better. And by bringing a quarterback in, that's not necessarily going to do that. And next year's class is even better. So if you stink this year, if you're the general manager, he's not getting fired. No. Rule might. Take the left tackle and stink again, have another top 10 pick, and you'd be looking at C.J. Stroud or another quarterback. 336-777-1600 if you want in. We're on Twitter at WSJS Sports. We've got intern Luis in the house. We've got... Uh, Jeffrey Griffin, Randolph Childress, he's going to be in studio with us in about 20 minutes. Here's what I got to say on the Masters thus far. Shame on anybody who bet against Tiger Woods. It's one of the more popular prop bets this week. Tiger Woods missing the cut. Right now, as we talk to you, he's on 15 and he's in the red digits. And Tiger, newsflash, could still compete. The new Tiger. That debuted the day. Still very good. And could compete on the highest stage in golf. Watching this round actually reminded me of watching late Michael Jordan. Which seems fitting since they're both goats. And here's what I mean by that. Tiger is physically compromised right now. And he's having to change the way he plays in order to win. Like Michael Jordan did in 97 and 98. He was a different kind of basketball player. Tiger can't do what he once did. The car accident hurt his legs. His back has been a problem even on this course today. He labored a little bit through the front nine. Just on 14, or excuse me, on 15, this tee shot that just happened, he laced one to the left and started reaching at one of his legs. Those are some of the things that's going to happen with him. He played it safe through the first three holes before you got to that really difficult stretch at Augusta between four and seven. And what we saw in those four holes, what we're probably going to see from Tiger moving forward and why you can't count him out. He possesses other tools he can lean on in order to succeed. His legs might be hurt, but his hands aren't. And his back might not be great, but his decision-making on the golf course is as good as it's ever been. There was a time where he found the woods and was still able to hit a chip towards the green, but evaded the bunkers. Beautiful approach shot right to the pin. He saved par on number seven. He's in red digits. Actually, he just bogeyed, so now he's at even par. But he was one under on those four holes, and he's hanging around. Like, anybody who bet against Tiger, hey, Tiger's not even going to make the cut. Consider this. Tiger has made 21 consecutive cuts at Augusta. 21 that he's participated in. He doesn't miss the cut. That man doesn't do it. And in order to miss the cut, you probably have to be plus three. And you honestly believe. Tiger Woods would be competing in this tournament, doing everything necessary to be ready to play, to get up physically. If he believed, not only could he not win, he couldn't even get to three over and make the cut line? No way. This new Tiger Woods can still compete and can compete on the greatest stage in golf. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to win this weekend. 
I didn't give him a great chance of that. But he's going to make it to Saturday and Sunday. Cool to watch him on the golf course, wearing the pink, getting set to wrap up his first round. He's approaching the very memorable and famous number 16 hole. A man you all know and tolerate. 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 The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Randolph Childress hanging out in studio with us. I'm going to a lot some time to talk baseball and some Masters with you in about 15 minutes. How's that sound? See, Randolph is a jack of all trades, can talk <laughs> about whatever, but since we were both in New Orleans together for the Final Four, it's only fitting we get to hoops. And I started last night, because I'm a crazy person, looking ahead to 22-23, hmm. looking at rosters with guys who have already entered the portal, guys who have already declared for the draft, and there are four rosters that stand out to me. Four rosters I look at right now and think, this is going to be a team that can contend for an ACC title next year. Okay. You let me know if you agree or disagree with any of these. Duke and Carolina are the obvious ones. Correct. Duke's got the number one recruiting class. That front line's going to be scary when you consider they've got three of the top five, four of the top 13, three of the four are forwards, or six, seven, or bigger, including the number one player in the country who is 7-1. Not a bad guy to replace Mark Williams with. But Jeremy Roach has to come back. But go ahead. We'll get that to is important. Jeremy Roach needs to come back. We talked about that. Right. Him and R.J. Davis, a good chance that they return, but that's not confirmed yet. North Carolina, you lose Brady Manick, but based on what I'm being told, I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but my info's been good so far. Okay. R.J. Davis back. Leaky Black probably back. You likely lose Armando Baycott. And Armando. Yeah. That's how he gets me sometimes. <laughs> and uh, Caleb Love. You likely lose those guys. Dontre Styles, he had moments in the tournament. Mm -hmm. Puff Johnson had a moment in the championship game. Those are two guys added to the mix in addition to a top 30 player in Seth Trimble. So you were with me on Duke and Carolina. Yes, but Armand, Armando. Armando. And love, that's a lot. Now that's a lot. Mm -hmm. To just to just to say I'm gonna automatically put them in the top two. I, I'm a huge RJ Davis fan and I had been all year seeing his growth. But if they if they can try to get one of those guys back, I don't know if that's possible, but that's a lot to lose. It's a because none of the guys I mentioned play the five. So you gotta figure that out one right. way or another. None of these teams are perfect as of right now. How about Florida State? See, Florida State wasn't in the four that I mentioned. That's what I'm asking you. Go ahead, finish your list. All right, the last two. So you got Virginia. Everybody's back. Kihei Clark is the one that we're not 100% sure, but based on reports in the I last two weeks, back. you get the entire starting five back. Mm -hmm. You have a top 10 recruiting class. When does that happen for Tony Bennett? A top 10 recruiting class? You get some players Added in could be rotational pieces. Apparently, one of them is a six ten kid who could play the four and rotate with Caden Shedrick. I and plus we're talking about Virginia here. They're always in the mix. Notre Dame is the last of the four. They could be the oldest team in the conference. You lose Atkinson and Blake Wesley, but you have Goodwin, Lachesky, all these other dudes back in the rotation, and they also have a top thirty kid coming in. 
Those yeah. are my four. No, no, no. I, I said this about Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame's hit or miss. They, they're going to have to replay the Atkinson. He was really, really good in the post. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's one of the better, more talented offensive kids in the post. That's not easy to replace. You know, in a league where you need that. And they're such a perimeter-oriented team. I do think it's J.J. Starling coming in. Is he going to give them what Blake what Blake Wesley gave him? Blake Wesley was their best player. Exactly. That's a problem. And, right. and now you're going to ask another player. guy come in and be that guy again. It's the same team that they had. Now, the key is going to be Hub has to come back. And that's another one. The reports, kind of like with Kihei, are pointing that Hub is going to come back. I Yeah, I, I think Cormac, he should. And Cormac Ryan gets an extra year. Yeah, I, I think they'll be right there. They're as old. They they have to be the oldest team in the league. I mean, yes. my goodness. I mean, they've been around forever. So then you get to the next group. And I think the group is about seven teams deep when you consider all these teams, I think, are in position. They have mm-hmm. parts that I like. If you have a great offseason, you land a recruit, you get – a great transfer that makes a lot of sense, that works into it, they could potentially jump in and be a top-five team like Wake Forest was this year. Mm -hmm. Wake Forest is one of those teams. Miami, Virginia Tech, you mentioned Florida State, Syracuse, Louisville. Let's not forget about the cards, even though their entire team is in the portal right now. They bring in Kenny Payne. They bring in Nolan Smith. And Clemson is the last of of that group, even though Dawes is in the portal and uh, Nick Honors in the portal. You also you got P.J. Hall, who might be a conference player of the year candidate, right. and you still got Hunter Tyson, too. Well, they lost a lot. Those yeah. were two tough guards at Clemson, and they could really, really shoot it, and Collins graduate. So they're How losing. do you separate they, those seven, though? It's, it's just too early to tell. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how do you tell, and I would say Florida State belongs in that top four because that team was rolling before the injuries just decimated their team. so Is there any chance Matt Cleveland comes back? I don't think he can leave. Yeah. If he comes I, but back. But let me say that. I mean, with these kids nowadays, you just don't know. I, I, I don't think he had a strong enough season to go. Yeah. You now, know you got stop polite kids back. The, I think I'd be shocked if 90% of that roster isn't back. Polite's back. Fletcher's back. Butler's back. You had a few graduations. The big key would be if Matthew Cleveland returns. If you bring him back, that's another ACC potential player. They of the just year always candidate. get guys. I mean, it's just you they know. have like and the way that they play, they, they play thirteen guys. <laughs> you know, that's the only team that plays that many guys. So losing, they just do a really good job. I think if they're healthy, you know, they they figured it out last year and got got things going. They got into a slow start, then got rolling, then injuries decimated those. Guys. How good do you feel about Wake Forest just because of what Forbes? Proved he was capable of doing in the portal. Well, you you like their chances because he's you know he did such a great job last year. But you know we're under the assumption that they're going to get Player of the Year. I mean, let's you know Alonis Williams you know was the player Player of the Year. Oh, yeah, I thought we were talking. You know, I mean, just just saying as far as what you lost. So yeah, I'm yeah, just saying yeah. as far as you, I thought I misinterpreted what you're saying. I'm I'm mistaken. You're talking about what they're going to bring in. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and I don't know. And there's a chance we don't know if Laravia is going. Yeah, you don't know what that roster is going to look like because now you got so many guys. And when you're waiting on guys to tell you, I saw Musius put his name in and uh, Davian Williamson put his name in. I I don't know. I'm not as familiar. I hadn't been. You know, I've been in New Orleans for a week. I feel like I've been there a month. But yeah, I I don't know if anything has changed as far as the rest of their. I know Jake Laravia has done the same thing, and so 
you know, with the type of year that these guys are having, and guys are leaving now for, you know, G League contracts and second-round draft picks. They're getting second-round grades. These guys are going. So you, you just don't know. It's, it's, it's a lot to try to replace an entire lineup again. So, I mean, he can do it. He's, he's proven he can do it. He's done it before he can do it again. Probably not great news when you look at the ESPN mock draft projection yesterday. Mm-hmm. And Terquavion Smith listed as a second-round pick. And Jake LaRavia listed as a second-round pick. They're gone. If that's the case. Yeah, they're gone. That's, see, the Terquavion piece is interesting. The way Roy always approached it with true freshmen mm-hmm. was, if you're a first-round pick, you should go. Uh, no. If you're a second-round pick. But <clears throat> NC State's not North Carolina. I mean, you're uh, coming back for what? If I, I think that's the them. question that he's asking. I, I think Terquavion is looking at that team and saying – what is it going to look like? They've had some guys leave, you know, jump in the portal, and you don't know what that roster is going to look like. And he had a heck of a year, and they just weren't very good this year. So it's one or two options, you know, just jump in the league and go or uh, you try to come back and, and, and or the portal. You know, I, I just don't know what it looked like. He's a, he's a talent, and he can flat-out score it. You see that, you, you know, athleticism's there. Uh, I, I would I would see someone he will get drafted and someone will put him and get him ready for the league. There's no doubt, my man, because he he's a he's a bucket. He can just flat out do it, and there's not a lot of guys like that. If you got any questions for Randolph Childress, fire him off on Twitter at WSGS Sports and three three six seven 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 one six hundred. I wanted to get your thought on the NBA. See, mm-hmm. with everything you've done in college basketball and the way you played point guard, see Charlotte is in action tonight. They play Orlando. When you watch LaMelo Ball play, what stands out to you? Oh, I think he makes everyone around him better. Mm-hmm. And he's absolutely fun to watch. And I, I just see perennial all-star appearances in his future. I think it'll be – his ceiling will be – depends on the talent that's with him and around him. And considering that, how would you react when you see these reports out there once again that Michael Jordan likes Russell Westbrook and the Hornets are connected to trade rumors <laughs> potentially bringing what Russell Westbrook to share a backcourt with LaMelo Ball? Like this keeps coming up. I, I saw that. It's not the first time. That's I, And that's what scares I, me, Chill. I, MJ hasn't had the best, and he's not. I'm sure he's not. You know, he's has his staff. He's he's changed. And I, I, I'm not getting into it. Yeah. yeah, you know, get, I don't see where that fits and what they're looking for with that. And maybe, and I think the thing with Russell Westbrook, I think he's better than everybody's giving him flack for, um, in L. A. But I don't see. There's no way I'd want to do anything to take the ball out of Lomelo's hand. Yeah, I think he's shown you, you know, and, may, and maybe there's something missing. We don't know. You know, um. You know, a lot of times you draft a talent like that. I, I think the biggest mistake that teams do with guys like him is you draft a guy of you have you sign a veteran guy to show him how to be a pro. Not to you know he doesn't have to emulate his game or anything else, but but a lot of times it's dangerous when young guys come in and you're just a really bad team and they're so talented they just kind of do what they want. You know, you sometimes you need veteran guys on the team to kind of say, "Hey, you know what? This is this is how to be a pro. This is how you work. This is how you you know all those things will come." And and 
I don't know about if Charlotte has that. They're just a, they're just trying to find pieces on what to keep, and he's obviously a keeper. It, it seems like Charlotte is locked into the number ten seed uh, with a few days left in the regular season, which means in all likelihood they would play Atlanta in a ten nine do or die play in tournament mm-hmm. game, uh, and, and they that's could, dependent. And that's they could win that. I mean, I don't they think can. John Collins is going to play. I think he's been nicked up this, you know, this uh, finished up the season. So we'll see how that how that turns out. Hornets have lost the last two, three of the last four, but they are home tonight again against the Orlando Magic. Yeah, he is a locker room divider. He can be a problem. You're on the drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Tiger Woods, one under, closing out his first round in over a year and what, two months? Amazing what Tiger did today. One under, five off the lead currently. He rescued himself after being in the trees off the 18th tee. We'll certainly keep you updated what's happening from Augusta throughout today's show and tomorrow's show. Darren Vaught now joins us, though. Darren, does got he? Got a busy week. What? I'm does kidding. he what? It's a, it's a joke. It's all. That's it. Does he what? Does he join us? Oh, that's now. right. Got you. Darren's going to be on the call for Wichita State ECU on ESPN Plus Saturday. Saw the ECU baseball team on my travels back from New Orleans, connecting in Atlanta. The Pirates took 2 or 3 against the Cincinnati Bearcats. Then uh, A&T at North Carolina next Tuesday on ACC Network Extra. Okay. It's opening day. A lot of baseball. Pumped yes, about it. Yes, it's opening day. We'll get to unusual questions. And Darren is being obnoxious, just trying to get me invested into the Orioles. Last night we were talking on the phone. Oh, Josh, telling you, man, with Rushman and what they're picking up and look at what the prospects look like and the farm clubs and – Look what they're stacking together year to year. It's been four years you doing this obnoxious thing where you try to get me invested into the Orioles who continually break my heart and they've never been good. Why do you keep doing this to me? Well, all right. So I will say that it has been four years that I've been bugging you that they have a really good farm system. They got a guy in Mike Elias to head up their baseball ops side from a team such as the Astros who built it up from the bottom, and that's what they're currently doing. And Josh, they have the top farm system, according to MLB Pipeline, in all of baseball, just mm. as they did at midseason last year. And listen, all right, just I'm going to try and sell you some more. Okay. Listen to these, these things that I'm going to tell you here. I'll listen. I have, I have pulled up the farm system rankings, the very same system that they have the Orioles at number one, just as they had them. They do a preseason and a midseason rankings every year. So midseason 2021, Orioles were on top. Preseason 2022, Orioles are on top. I'm going to go backwards and just list the teams that were atop these rankings, okay? Prior to 2021 midseason, Orioles, it was 2021 preseason, Tampa Bay Rays. 2020 midseason, Tampa Bay Rays. 2020 preseason, Tampa Bay Rays. For 2018 and 2019, it goes Padres, 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 Padres. 
White Sox, 2017 midseason. Braves, 2017 preseason. 2016 midseason. Milwaukee Brewers, 2016 preseason. LA Dodgers. The Red Sox were at midseason number one in 2015. What does that sound like? Very, very good baseball teams. The Orioles are well on their way. But here's the I problem, they, though. I, the Red Sox, the Red Sox, and the Rays were already good before those things happened. You mentioned preseason 2021. That was a few months after the Rays nearly won the World Series. Yes, that is correct. And the Rays were number two in the preseason 2019 okay. farm system rankings. It's been built over time. The Orioles are working on it. 2021 preseason, the Orioles were number five. Okay, fine. Let me let me attach. One. I want you to attach your name to it. Then none of this. Hey, Josh, you should be just excited about the Orioles. What is this year an expectation I should feel that I should be looking at? Something you will attach your name to. It's like you know what? I'm confident this is going to happen. You. Well, Adley Rutschman's going to be really good. Okay, you, he he might be the AL Rookie of the Year. It's a stacked field, and Rutschman is beginning the season not on a major league roster like most in the field, but on the injured list, which is not a big deal. It's not like that's going to be a thing with him. So once he gets into the lineup every day, he's he's a contender, if not a favorite. Will my team be good this year? They'll be competitive. It's a tough division. Like the the crazy thing about the AL East is that there are four teams basically every team except the Orioles, four teams that could either finish fourth and not make the playoffs or win the whole thing. So it is a tough division. They'll be competitive, and it should be good baseball for the most part this season for the Orioles. They're just in a, a weird spot where they're the fifth of, of a five-team division that has four really good teams. Darren Vaught, there's not one team in baseball that has a lower over-under than the Baltimore Orioles do. It's because they're playing those those other four teams. Yeah, I told so stop you trying to get me excited about sixty three wins. Josh, get excited about sixty three and ninety nine. That's what that's what you're trying to tell me. Sixty. That's an over. Sixty three and ninety nine. Okay. Futures bright. Let's that's talk about saying. teams that actually aren't going to go sixty three and ninety nine. Who do you think is going to win the World Series this year? Give me a pick. I have, out of that division, the Tampa Bay Rays toppling the LA Dodgers wow. in the World Series. Wow. A lot of people are, are sort of asleep on the Rays because they sort of, I mean, you know, they're not, they're not picking up Max Scherzer like the Mets to keep it in the same division. You know, they don't have the stars that the Yankees have. They're not picking up Trevor Story to play shortstop like the Red Sox did. They just deliver, man. They are the ultimate schemers. They've got a really good young tour, core of talent. Wander Franco is going to have a full season at the big league level. He had half a season and nearly took the rookie of the year award away from his teammate, Randy Rosarena last year. Um, they're they're going to be good. And I think some people are sleeping on them because Tyler Glass now is not going to be back because of his injury. Once they started policing the sticky stuff, that's when he had the forearm and elbow issue. So he's their ace and he's potentially not even going to pitch at all for them this year. But I mean, the Braves won it without Acuna a year ago, and I would argue that Acuna was more important to the Braves' success than Glasnow is to the Rays' success. So, Darren Vaught, so I don't see why it can't happen. So Darren Vaught's got the Rays over the Dodgers. We'll continue to follow that during the year. Now it's time for us to play Unusual Questions. 
But last week, guys, everybody made it out that I got mad at Josh and I left the press conference. That's not right. I thought it was an unusual question, and it's okay. It's time for Unusual Questions with Josh Graham. Tweet us at WSGS Sports, 336-777-1600 if you have an unusual question you'd like to call in with. It's really just your opportunity to ask us anything. Looking at our Twitter feed, oh, a really kind response. You only lost, you only gained five pounds? I would say 20 based on the peacock photo you posted a couple days ago. Again, that's mean. Very kind people on social media. Let's get things started here. Darren Vaught, here's my question to you. Would you rather be a world-class basketball player or a world or a, a world-class baseball player or a world-class world-class golfer? I can get the question out today. World-class baseball player or world-class golfer? It's opening day. It's also round one of the Masters. Which would you prefer? I feel like golf has the highest ceiling in terms of earnings, right? And also, you could play it longer. For sure. it's You're not destroying your body in the same way that you would be with the other two. Yeah. Not that either baseball or, I mean, you know, if you're a pitcher, obviously you got a one of your four limbs is just done for by age 60, probably. Um, so you would say golf over baseball? I think so, just because it, it's like once you're done playing baseball, you never get to use it again. Golf, if you're a world-class golfer, you you can use that until the day you die, I think as I, long as your physicals hold up. I think I agree with that. Robert, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'd probably go golfing. You can drink when you play that. I don't know if you can really get away with play, drinking and playing uh, baseball that good. Good point. Luis, what's your unusual question today? I'm going to have to say, would you rather wear cowboy boots all year round for the rest of your life okay. or flip-flops? You can layer up on socks if it gets cold. Flip-flops or cowboy <laughs> boots. But Luis brought it with this. That's but, a great question. What's a butt? What's the butt? It might get cold in the winter if you have flip-flops. Oh, I understand. Yeah. This, and it might that's be what uncomfortable makes it a great hypothetical. I think I'd probably go cowboy boots because I never wear flip-flops anyway. So I could still always go barefoot if I need to. So I think I'll go cowboy boots. I also feel like Josh doesn't know how to rock boots with something. So Josh would still come in here in like his normal outfit <laughs> while wearing cowboy boots. like And probably not high socks either. So it's just all leg going into the cowboy boots. Cowboy boots is the right answer. But I... I would love to see Josh wearing. I rarely boots. ever wear shorts. I mean, you tuck the you tuck your jeans into the boots, and you can walk around with that. Is I that always to... the correct answer, though? I feel like that's not always the case. I choose flip flops. Really? I yeah. Choose, see, yeah, I'm doing. I'm rocking flip-flops. socks and slides all day. And yeah, generally, you don't tuck Sli- your. Sli- do slides count? Yeah, that's a flip flop. It's it it it, it flops yeah. when you walk. You, what do you need? You need a you need a. a the thing to go in between that's your toes. Right. You need a thong flip flop for this to count. That's what I'm saying. I think you need the thong part of the of okay, the shoe. Okay, that to changes count. everything. That changes the whole question. I I was under the the assumption that uh, a slide is a flip flop. It's your question. You're you right. can make no, it slide. Okay, and fine. Flip-flop. We'll count slides then. A slide is a flip flop. Yeah. All right. What is your unusual question, Darren? All right. So I got this new book. I'm really really excited about. Um, it's called Sellout, the major label feeding frenzy that swept punk, emo, and hardcore. Um, and it goes through 
basically the stories of 11 bands and their major label debuts. So it includes Green Day, Jimmy Eat World, Blink-182, My Chemical Romance, Rise Against, and it's just talking about the rise from independent label to a, a major label and these, these bands going from underground to mainstream. Given the title, Sellout, I'm curious who or what you guys consider to be sellouts. Like what sticks out in your mind when you hear the term sellout? Ooh, I think about the 90s where that was the worst possible thing you could be. Go back and watch the movie Reality Bites. We might have talked about this before. But yeah, but who? You know what I'm saying? Like, is it is there an entity, an individual Pearl Jam. that comes to mind? Pearl Jam sold out. 100%. Okay. Like, they, they, there became a point where they became so mainstream, it just wasn't cool anymore. That's the example I think of from the 90s. Because I've got a, a late 90s. Who would be your example? Early 2000s example here. Who is it? Rob Thomas. Oh, wow. And Matchbox 20. Wow. Because I think, I think if he stays, and I know they got back together and they put out some stuff, whatever. If he stays through all of it, Matchbox 20 is probably known as like the greatest American rock band of recent memory. Hmm. I think they were that they were that popular. And then Thomas is just like, nah, I'm gonna go do a track with Santana and leave you guys in the dust. It's a good example. Think about Gwyneth Paltrow. Remember those candles she put out? I'm pretty sure those sold out. <laughs> Robert, what's your unusual question? <laughs> uh this is kind of a long one, so you guys are gonna have to bear with me. Uh would you rather go with a movie question or a cat question? This is still from the book of last week. Movie. For whatever reason, two unauthorized movies are made about your life. The first is independently released documentary primarily, primarily comprised of interviews with people from your life, and critics are describing as the, doc, the documentary as brutally honest and relentlessly fair. Meanwhile, Columbia TriStar has produced a big-budget biopic about your life, casting major Hollywood stars as you and all your acquaintances. Though the movie is based on actual events, screenwriters take some liberties with the facts, and critics are split on the artistic merit of the fictionalized account, but all the audiences love it. That's a great question you're about Which to ask. film would you be more interested in seeing? About yourself. That was the premise. Okay. Now, give me the grit. Give me the... I know the lows. Like, none of them are going to surprise me. They're not going to be too too shock and awe. Give me the grit. I want the real, the real story. Give me... You know, I think I'm going to go feature... Film yeah, you would disney the hell out of your own movie, Josh. I think, you would. I think I'd like more, people, to play more people would talk about <laughs> the movie. Oh, so now it's about people talking oh, so about it. Now what it's, about. It's, it's not even okay. about looking back on I his want, life. I want my movie to do well. I want to be a star. I want the movie to do well. You're not Josh getting paid Ram for this. People just thing. made a story about your life. Nothing about this is giving you anything besides fame or clout. Yeah. I want the Josh Graham clout. wants one thing, and it makes me sick. Just wants people to talk about him. I'm a sellout. Darren Vaught, <laughs> appreciate your time. Nice. Have a great call down in Greenville, America. Where, Robert, where, where should he go when he visits Greenville on Saturday? Home. Don't stay down there too long. <laughs> that thing will grab you, and you'll never get out. I got friends that Man. still live down there. Dude, the spring game is earlier in the day. Oh, wow. So... Like, it's going to be kind of rowdy. So, yeah, that might be a move. Call the the game. Get out of there. All right. Good luck. 
Thanks. Be, be diligent. That's Darren Vaught joining us here. He's got a lot of knowledge about things I'm curious about, and he's cool. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. <laughs> According to ESPN Insights, with 4.85 million viewers, the Women's NCAA Championship game was the most watched college basketball game on ESPN, men or women's, since 2008. Somebody tell Buick. Buick's still going to run those commercials as if people can't watch these women's basketball games? Think about what I just said. 4.85 million people watched the national championship game on Sunday between UConn and South Carolina. That is more than any ESPN college basketball game, men or women, to air on ESPN in the last 14 years. That means pretty much every Duke Carolina regular season game. Or ACC tournament game. So... Duke and Carolina have played in the tournament, even in a championship game 10, 12 years ago. And this women's basketball game outdrew it. That is remarkable. That is hard to push back against. To the folks that say no one cares about women's sports whatsoever. That's pretty cool. Nothing about it is misleading to me. Obviously, the men's tournament men's championship games drew more ratings like Duke and Carolina, which I think drew like a 17 million average viewer number. But that's not an insignificant figure that it's drawing more than any college basketball game ESPN has in the regular season for the men. That's a really big step. And that's something advertisers are probably going to take notice of and will continue to help grow women's sports, which I think most of us are in favor of. Getting to the men's game, though. Looking ahead to 2022-2023, there's a lot of fluctuation with rosters and figuring out things. So obviously I reserve the right between now and the summer and now and October when we put in our preseason poll in changing what I'm about to tell you. But I have rankings here, 15 through 1, The ACC for next year. My way too early ACC rankings. Robert, we don't have a voice that goes 15 through through 11. So I think you need to to step in and take one for the team here. Either you or Luis. Number 15. Pittsburgh. Jeff Capel. Dead man walking. This feels like Danny Manning's last year at Wake Forest where you just kind of saw it coming. It probably should have happened now. And you cut ties and figure out things. They don't have any players. And it's a sad state of affairs for a guy that we thought a few years ago might be one of the front runners to replace Mike Krzyzewski. Number 14. Leaking confidence there a bit, Luis. Georgia Tech. Everybody's transferred out or graduated. There's no real reason to be optimistic about what Josh Pazner is building. But if anybody can figure out something to be optimistic about, it's Josh Pazner. 
I owe that dude an apology. He said that Carolina gonna. I don't understand why they're not a top ten team. I don't. They could make the Final Four, and everybody laughed at him in January. He turned out to be a prophet, so maybe he turns this around. But I think it's pretty clear who the bottom three in the ACC is. I already revealed the first two. Number thirteen, NC State. Last place last year. I think they're probably going to be a little bit better. You get Sebron back, you hope. Terquavion Smith, it's up in the air. He was in a mock draft yesterday, so that's not a great sign. It looks pretty grim, but I'll still take NC State over Georgia Tech and Pittsburgh, albeit the margins between those three pretty small. Number 12? Yes. Clemson. Dawes and Honor both entered the portal, but they got an ACC Player of the Year candidate in P.J. Hall, who I'll go ahead and say is a lot to be on the preseason All-ACC team. If you add somebody else, I think Hunter Tyson's also still around. That's good. If you add somebody else, this team could be pretty good. I'm not completely writing off Clemson, but that's who you have to go with. Why aren't we using the PA voice of Wake Forest when we have them in the back here, what do we got next? Number 11. Yeah, why aren't we using the voice of Wake Forest? We got Luis. Your voice got really deep there. I think we can use him here. You, you missed it. We had it all planned out. We had it all planned out. I ruined it. Sorry. Louisville. They're number 11. Now, this feels strange to say because Louisville... Kenny Payne can recruit. Louisville invests a lot of money into that program. Nolan Smith, we know he can recruit too. This team could take the biggest jump out of the teams that I'm listing off here. Uh, but right now, given everybody's in the portal and there's so much uncertainty, I can't put them in the top 10. Number 10. Boston College. Strong finish to the season. Beat Wake Forest. Ended their season. We saw... The big jump that Mike Young took from year one to year two. We saw the big jump that Steve Forbes took from year one to year two. They've got both the Langfords coming back. Makai Ashton Langford going to get a sixth year. And you also got Post in the post coming back. Watch out for Earl Grant and BC. Number 10 on my way too early ACC ranking. Number nine. Syracuse. No Bayheim. You don't have Jimmy or Buddy who's back. You still do have Jim Bayheim. I guess that's good. Cole Swider, he signed, he put his name in the draft and he signed an agent. So he will not be coming back. Joe Girard, he will return. Probably has to take the biggest leap in play. They did land a kid that Wake Forest thought they were going to get in Judah Mintz. We'll see if he's an immediate contributor as a four-star player. Syracuse right now, number nine. Number eight. I feel bad putting Virginia Tech here, but that's where I got him. You got the back the backcourt intact. Hunter Couture, Justin Aline. You got Maddox, who was in the running for sixth man of the year. Padula, his second year on campus. But the problem is your two best players, your two most important guys were in the post. That was Keve Aluma and Justin Mutz. They're both gone. How do you replace them? 
We don't know that yet. So I have to put Virginia Tech at eight. Number seven. The Miami Hurricanes. It could be the Isaiah Wong show. And that's fine. Miami made it to the Elite Eight last year. But no Cam Augusti. No Charlie Moore. It'll be Isaiah Wong. A couple of ancillary parts from this past year's team with Miller and Walker back, but they'll have to hit through the portal again just like they did with Charlie Moore in order to upgrade this roster and have enough depth to compete. You're not going to have Wardenberg back. That hurts too. So Miami, number seven in these rankings. Number six. You know, I just talked myself into Virginia Tech being higher ranked than Miami. So Miami's eight and Virginia Tech's seven now. That's just how it works. Florida State, number six in the rankings. We still don't know about Matthew Cleveland. If Cleveland comes back, that's great. But Leonard's team, usually deep. Leonard's team, fun to watch. You got Fletcher and Butler coming back. You feel pretty confident about that. There's seven footers running all over the place. Florida State at number six. Going to get back in the mix and get back into the tournament. Number five. I'm going to put some faith in Wake Forest. Get in the top five for consecutive seasons. It's Davian Williamson. It's Damari Monsanto. They'll still be around. Then you hope that you get one of these three back. Zamusius, Dallas Walton, or Jake LaRavia. LaRavia being put in some mock drafts, which would have me concerned about his... Uh, willingness to return but Musius where else is he going to go maybe he wants to return closer to home and play in New York I don't know Dallas Walton brilliant kid he's one of those kids that are so smart he might see I got better things to do than to play college basketball right now it does encourage me that he put his name in the draft so he wants to get feedback from NBA scouts and maybe he still wants to play a professional career that's positive because he could want to play his basketball back in Winston-Salem. But I think you need one of those three guys back to really legitimately believe you're going to be a contender in the ACC. And there's no coach I trust more in grabbing guys out of the portal than Steve Forbes. Let's also not forget that they had some pretty good freshmen. Cam Hildreth came on towards the end of the year. They really like Matthew Marsh as a body who can rotate in the paint. And Robert McRae has great athleticism, just never ever was able to figure it out and get on the floor consistently. Number four. The North Carolina Tar Heels. I'm expecting two starters back. R.J. Davis, I feel pretty confident, is one of them. He'll be the leader of the team. And I'd say Leaky Black is more likely than Armando Bacon or Caleb Love. Armando. So if those are your two building blocks... And you got Puff Johnson at the four who emerged in the national championship game but really had been playing more minutes down the stretch of the season. And Dontrez Styles, who stepped in and hit a really important three against Baylor in overtime. That's not a bad place to begin. And North Carolina getting to the championship game, that's going to make them a more appealing transfer portal target than I think anybody else. Like, what transfer portal destination is more attractive than playing for Hubert Davis in North Carolina considering how it just worked out for Brady Manick and what that team did last year. Not a heck of a lot of talent. Seth Trimble, also a top 30 player. He's going to be in the mix next season. I have no problem putting North Carolina in the top four. 
I think there's some separation between 5 through 12 of what I just described, the back three of NC State, Georgia Tech, and Pittsburgh, and these four teams. These are the four I think are legit ACC contenders. I'd be shocked if they weren't in the mix a year from now. Number three. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish finished second this past year. They're going to be one of the oldest teams of the ACC, if not the oldest. You lose your best player in Blake Wesley, a draft pick. You lose Paul Atkinson, who was the Yale transfer that worked out in the post. But you keep everybody else, including Wirtz and Goodwin and Hub and Cormac Ryan and Leshevsky. That's a nice mix of players. You need to add a strong post player, but Mike Bray proved he could do that last year and find someone in the portal. And he's a good recruiter. That's how you get a guy like Blake Wesley. Notre Dame is a top 30 recruit coming in next year. I like this Irish team. It's still going to have a smaller rotation, you'd think. But I think the Irish are here to stay near the top of the ACC. Number two. The Virginia Cavaliers. I'm expecting all five starters to come back. Kihei Clark's the one question mark out there. But if Kihei returns... It'll be Kihei, Armand Franklin, Jaden Gardner from former East Carolina Pirate, Reese Beekman, and Caden Cedric, who's a North Carolina kid. You got all that back. Plus, Virginia has a top 10 recruiting class this year. They had a better recruiting class than North Carolina does. How often are you able to say that with the system that Tony Bennett runs? Not that often. So there's going to be some depth added in there. And... You identify Jaden Gardner, who's an all-ACC talent. Can you find another one? We're talking about Tony Bennett here. They're always in the mix. Last year, this past season, was an aberration. These guys coming back and getting older, that system works. We know it. Virginia's going to be there. I was very close to making them number one, but the reason I didn't is because... Number one. Duke is number one it's a first year coach I don't know if I would put John Shire his team to win the ACC when the preseason gets here but in terms of what the rosters look like right now I have to put them at the top because they have the number one recruiting class in America three of the top five players according to 24-7 four of the top 13 if we're assuming Jeremy Roach is back then that's gonna be a huge deal Joey Baker Coming off the bench, you have that. They just need to add probably one more transfer to add some experience to this lineup, but that's a really good starting point at Duke. The Blue Devils, number one on my ACC way too soon preseason rankings. Is that a Duke shirt? I've worn this polo so many times. But look, I'm just asking, is it like Duke blue? It is royal blue. That is the color. That that blue. is royal that's blue. <laughs> what are you guys saying? That is a blue devil blue. No, it's royal blue. It kind of matches my phone case. I remember last year, Her- Hubert Davis, he was the first year coach. He couldn't even get in the top four, man. And now we got John Shire leading the whole ACC, man. Hubert Davis didn't have a McDonald's All-American. And look where that got him. Yeah. And, and, and John Shire's got four of them. He's not Coach K. You know, it's going to be might hard, even be hard to fifth. be Coach K. That's true. I don't think I'm going to pick Duke in my preseason poll. I don't think. Virginia, I'd be surprised if it's someone, if it's not Virginia, Notre Dame, or North Carolina. 
I'd be surprised if I picked North Carolina. So Virginia or Notre Dame probably going to be that pick for me, unless Florida State lands somebody crazy and they get Matthew Cleveland back. So there's a lot of what ifs when it comes to this. What are you laughing about over there? Just Luis, man. He's just coming along so well. He just gets it. He was like, is he Luis, what did you say? I I pointed out the color of your shirt. I thought you were a Duke fan. (laughs) I'm not a Duke fan. It looked like it. I I mistook it. Okay. The next time you walk in here with a red shirt, I'm going to be sure to point out, is that a a Red Sox shirt? I will never wear a red shirt. He ain't putting over the Red Sox that hard. I I will I will never I will never wear. He just a red picked shirt. the Red Sox to win the World Series. Okay, but I'm I'm not wearing a red shirt. I'm not a fan of them. I know I'm not a I'm fan wearing of a Duke. Yankee jersey. No, I'm saying like, <laughs> if you if you, if I see you wear a red shirt, <laughs> how stupid would it sound if I'm like, hey, you're wearing a red shirt? That means you're a Red Sox fan. No, I've just I, never seen you wear a Carolina blue polo like that. I've been accused of it. Where's the ECW purple? Uh, ECU purple. Excuse me. Uh, he yeah. doesn't claim them anymore, man. No, I claim the Pirates. That's where I went to school. Nah, he's an ACC homer, man. He's all in on Duke, See, all in on Carolina. I've got you for another week in this succession plan that we're doing here. You can vouch that when we were back in Greenville, and I still hear it from people in Greenville on Twitter, it's the funniest, damnedest thing. The most common complaint People over there thought I was a Carolina fan. That was the most common thing. And the reason why, while I was doing radio shows there, Carolina went to back-to-back Final Fours. They were really good. So I said really good things about them. Duke just won the ACC regular season. They went to the Final Four. And when they lost to North Carolina, both times, guess who we talked really nicely about? North Carolina. That's how this thing works. Where do people get it in their heads that, you know what? Josh said something nice about this team. Must mean that he's a fan of that team. Rather than, I'm an opinion host, and my opinion hinges on how good or bad these teams are. All I'm saying is you don't see people in Compton wearing red. (laughs) People in Compton don't wear red. So why are are we wearing blue devils? Why are you wearing the blue devils blue? You, figured, you should wear you a neutral color. He should only be allowed to wear black. Like white in here. You yeah, white or black. You figured it out. You figured it out. I'm a crip. That's why I'm wearing <laughs> that. Yeah. Go to Compton. That's right. I can't. I can't wear red. That's why. Y- you figured me out. Actually, that wouldn't apply because Carolina still wears blue too. Is there variation when it comes to the gangs? I like, don't. Is think it a certain so. type of red that you have to wear? Does somebody say, no, 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 that's Red Sox red. No, we want, we wear more L.A. Angels red. Well, I don't think you could be rocking like a pink, like uh, you washed a, a white piece of clothing and then rocked it, and you're like, I'm, I'm in here, I'm a blood. I don't think it would work like that.